I had waited 10 months for this. Until now, I hadn't felt ready. And even though I knew the time had come, I still found myself feeling anxious as Troy and I parked our rental car beside a small office building. I was thankful for the bright sunshine and perfect 75-degree temperature. A cloudy, gloomy, rainy day would have made this visit harder, sadder. Instead, this gorgeous April day just outside of Houston, Texas was filled with light and life. Troy retrieved his machete out of the back of the car. The detectives had warned us, so we had prepared as well as we could. It's a thick, overgrown woods. They'd explained on a Zoom call when I told them I was going to make the eight-hour drive from my home in Oklahoma. Lots of vines, brambles, bush palmetto, and thorny undergrowth. Wear long sleeves and long pants, and better wear boots. Parts of it may be marshy. We'd taken their advice. Troy had added the machete. There's the red and white satellite tower, just like they told us, I said, pointing. And that must be the dirt road leading to it right across the street. Cars raced down Wallaceville Road in front of us, so we stood for a few minutes, waiting for the traffic to clear enough to safely cross. Now that I was finally here, my nervousness was beginning to fade. I felt God's reassuring presence and was thankful he had prepared my heart just as I'd prayed. We made our way to the base of the tower in less than five minutes. Now we enter the woods to our left. The site should be about 40 to 50 feet in, I said. To a clearing that was back there 42 years ago. Troy charged forward. I followed, stepping carefully through the undergrowth. I didn't know exactly what I was looking for, there would be nothing to mark the spot where, on January 11, 1981, the bodies of Tina Lynn and Haroldine Klaus, my parents, had been found in a horrific way. The college-aged son of a local resident was out with his four huge German shepherds on January 6th when he noticed one dog had something in its mouth. From a distance, he couldn't tell what it was. A squirrel, maybe? The media account I'd listened to said the young man had been very shaken when his dog laid a human forearm with a hand still attached at his feet. The boy had called the police, who cordoned off the area and started a search. Five days later, they'd first found my dad's body, then my mom's, some 20 feet farther in. After a few more minutes of walking, Troy and I came to a small break in the trees. You could hardly call it a clearing, but it was close enough. I didn't need to go any further. I stopped, stood very still, raised my face to the sky, and just listened. Three sounds. Traffic from Wallaceville Road. Bird songs floating on the breeze. And the rustling of trees. All three were gentle. I noticed the tops of tall pines extending above the lower canopy of scrubby deciduous trees around me. Were those pines over 40 years old? Had they stood as silent witnesses to the evil done here? My heart was full, but calm. I had wondered what emotional response I would have. Quiet tears? Heart-wrenching sobs? Raging anger? Overwhelming grief? None of those as it happened. My soul was somber, but peaceful. 
evidence of the healing God had already been doing in the past ten months. I did have some dark thoughts, though. I knew the detectives forty years ago were fairly certain that this was not the murder site, but more likely the dumping place for their bodies. But if you were looking for a spot to commit murder, this one was certainly desolate enough. Who'd brought my parents here? And why? Why?